You're listening to the Her Money Matters podcast, episode 33. Welcome to the Her Money Matters podcast, the podcast to help you take control of your finances. Join your host, motivational money coach, Jen Hemphill, as she shares with you practical, simple money insights and real life stories by women like you. Let's get to it. Welcome, welcome. This is Jen Hemphill. Thank you for tuning in. We have literally passed the six-month mark of this podcast. Thank you so much for being such a great supporter. And we are already at episode 33. I've got to tell you, I've got some great guests lined up and some great solo episodes uh, that I'm doing. So you can say this new year, this 2016 is definitely in full swing. Today's guest is one of our expert highlights that I'm going to be doing quarterly unless there's more of a demand for it. Maybe I'll implement more. So you'll have to let me know you want your voices to be heard. And uh, she is a certified financial planner. So if you are looking to hire a financial planner, are looking to get some guidance in the long term for your finances, this is a good episode for you. So you uh, you can meet our expert. You can get a better feel for the field. And it is a loaded episode, but it's all good. It's all good stuff. So this is what you're going to learn in today's episode. You're going to learn how this pre-med student found her love for financial planning. You're going to learn what important lesson her grandfather shared about negotiation and the simple breakdown of all those fancy titles in the financial planning industry. You're also going to learn four tips to help you find the financial planner that's just right for you. And the key difference between what financial planners know versus what you want to, what you find on the internet. But there's definitely so much more in addition to that. So let me go ahead and share with you about our guest. Her name is Katie. And Katie Brewer, a certified financial planner, is a financial coach to professional women of the Gen X and Y generations. I just said it redundantly. And she's the president of the Your Richest Life. She has accumulated over 10 years of experience working with clients and their money. Katie has been quoted in articles in the New York Times, Forbes, Money, Real Simple, and many others. She regularly speaks to groups and writes about financial planning topics. So let's go ahead and meet Katie. Welcome, Katie, to the Her Money Matters podcast. I am so excited to have you here. Hi, Jen. I'm very excited to be here. Well, before we get into these financial planning questions that I know uh, you're dying to answer, I really want uh, to get to know you. Just Let's just have some fun and get to know you. Are you game with that? Yep, Absolutely. Perfect. So I wanted to know first is why, I'm just curious, why did you become a financial planner? Yeah, well, I was in college studying um, not financial planning. I actually (laughs) was studying biology. Um, I started as a biology major too. Did you? Oh, yeah. We can cry about how much organic chemistry was like the worst (laughs) class I've ever taken in my life. Um, Oh, that's funny. I, you know, I thought maybe I wanted to go in the medical field. 
And looking back, I don't think it was for the right reasons. Like, I think okay. I was like, I want to be a doctor because I want to have a lot of prestige and make a lot of money. Okay. That's what like an 18 year old thinks, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so luckily through my course of study, I think it was organic chemistry. It did it for me. <laughs> Shout out to my organic chemistry professor who convinced me that I did not want to go to <laughs> medical school. Thank you so much. That's funny. Um, well, you know, I was kind of trying to decide what I wanted to do at college and I took a personal finance course just because I felt clueless. Like, I don't think it counted towards anything. I think I was out of electives. It was an elective. It was probably like hour number 35, but I already had 30 and I fell in love with it. I mean, I was just like, this stuff is amazing. I love it. I love all of the, all of the numbers and like seeing the goals and kind of working backwards from mm-hmm. there to figure out what you need to be doing. And I was like, I have no earthly idea how I'm going to get into this because at that point I was three and a half years into a biology degree. Okay. Um, I'm a four year program. And I was like, I have no idea how I'm going to get into this, but somehow I would love to be doing financial planning now that I've discovered it and I know what it is. Right. Um, so I did. I kind of graduated. I went and did something else for two years. I, I did auditing at a hospital. Ooh, snooze. Oh, wow. <laughs> not, not really a fun job. And I kind of found my way into the financial services field um, just by being really stubborn and <laughs> being like, somebody has to take me out here and that's I'm going to work fine. my way into it. It's persistence and you got to be persistent. Well, that's great. And uh, well, that's funny that we're, we're both biology majors because what did it for me, I was going to study dentistry. And then I don't know why a picture came into my head that, oh my goodness, not everybody's mouths are going to be pretty and I don't have a good stomach. <laughs> Um, and also was the fact that labs, I could never, it was just so hard for me to find whatever I had to find in the darn microscope. So that, those two mm-hmm. things did it for me. Yeah, um, I know. In those labs, you only got like one hour of credit. You were in the stupid thing for like four hours of the week. <laughs> like, I how is this fair? I just remember I couldn't find, uh, it was, I, that was a challenge for me, finding whatever it was I had to find under the microscope. I just couldn't see. I'm like, how can you see this? But anyways. Moving on. <laughs> so tell me why your interest, because I know you focus on the Gen X and why. So why this era of, of people? Um, so I've been in the industry for, I'm coming up on 11 years now, actually. Oh, okay. Um, and within my industry, within financial planning, financial services, financial advisors, um, there are a lot of people that focus on either people that are already retired or people that are right about to retire and okay. that have money. So that's something where I've noticed over the last couple of years that there are not that many people that are doing true comprehensive financial planning for younger folks. And I mean, I say younger folks, I'm 35. I don't consider myself young <laughs> anymore. So yes, you are. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I, by younger, I mean people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, like even in their 50s. Um, that are, you know, trying to get started or, you know, or trying to figure out where they are right now and kind of readjust um, their compass. Right. Okay. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. And that's good that you saw that opportunity. Uh, Cause I agree there's, there's a lot, of course, things are changing now and you've been in the industry uh, 10 years and you, um, things are changing, but yeah, I'm glad that's great that you saw that opportunity because this is definitely needed. 
I kind of think of it more as a calling. A calling. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like, you know, I probably could be making a lot more money doing <laughs> stuff other ways, but that's okay because this is what I want to do. Like, right. This is the value I want to provide and the people that I want to be working with. I love that. Well, I'm also curious, I want to get a little bit more of a scoop on you on the personal side. So tell us something interesting or, or unique or something that you'd be willing to share that maybe not many people know about. Um, well, I married my husband who is a rocket scientist. Oh, he really? That went, is interesting and unique. <laughs> he went to A&M for an aerospace engineering degree. Um, he's very shy, so he would be embarrassed if he knew that I was telling anybody <laughs> that he's a rocket scientist. So but every I, wedding, you're sw- sworn to secrecy. So don't say anything to him. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Everybody listening, shh, don't, <laughs> don't tell him that I told you. But so he actually works on airplanes. He did get to work for a little while in college on um, a NASA mission that okay. was one of the space rovers. So what he does is really, really cool and deep. It sounds always- like it. Sounds like it. And tell us about uh, just growing up, uh, how you grew up around money. So what you experienced, what you saw, uh, maybe some of the conversations you heard or you had with your, your parents, your siblings. Tell us about that. Yeah. So my parents are, they've always tried to be really good with money. I do remember quite a few times, and this was back, way back in the day, I'm aging myself, when we had a home phone. Does anybody remember that? (laughs) (laughs) Of course. I remember that we would sit down for dinner and the phone would start ringing and ringing and ringing. And, you know, my brother and I would be like, aren't we, don't we need to pick that up? Like the phone rings, you pick it up. That's what you do. (laughs) Right. And my parents were like, no, no, don't pick it up. We're a little bit late on our credit card and they're trying to call so that they can get us to pay. And, you know, I remember thinking, well, aren't you supposed to pay your credit card on time? Right. (laughs) I'm not that old, but I'm going, I'm not sure that this is the best money lesson that I should be learning. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe it's the lesson of what not to do. Right. So, I mean, I think my parents really, really tried it. They gave us a great upbringing. So I'm not even going to complain about that at all. They, They were definitely parents that always tried to give more to their kids than they had when they were growing up. But there were just some things about money that, you know, they didn't really necessarily like educate themselves about it, or they just kind of let it get a little bit sloppy. Um, and it can come back really pretty quickly to bite you. So that's part of the reason that I took that financial planning elective back in college, because it really freaked me out that I was like, I don't know what I don't know. And I'm not really a hundred percent sure that my parents are the best people to be teaching me these money lessons. Right. (laughs) I'm going to go out and I'm going to empower myself and educate myself. Well, good for you. So basically your experience was more around or your memories are from those phone calls. And did they give you, so did they, because of course they gave you a great upbringing, uh, but did you get, did they ever give you some financial advice or, or they really never talked to you about money? Yeah. So my family, we didn't really talk about money. It wasn't really like an open subject. It only came up really when it was things like, why are these people calling to ask for you to pay your credit card bill? So I remember that the conversations that I had were more like reactive instead of proactive Okay, Um, with my parents, at least. I did have other family members that I feel like I kind of learned money lessons from more proactively. 
Okay. And tell us about that. Yeah. So my grandfather is actually a business owner. Um, He owned his own business, family-run business. Um, He sold sand. So he always laughs that, you know, he would like make up names for the sand and he was like, it was just dirt. (laughs) Sand, rocket scientist. This is interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Um, So he's really into finance and he was all excited that I wanted to go into finance because for, you know, a long time, um, he encouraged me to read The Millionaire Next Door when I was Mm -hmm. pretty young. And um, so that's a book essentially about you know, interviewing people that are millionaires and like, what did they do to get there? Mm -hmm. And the point of the book is that they didn't really do anything sensational to get there. They just worked hard and they, they lived on less than they made and they saved and they were diligent with their money and they didn't gamble it away. And, you know, those people were really well off and relaxing and enjoying life. Um, And so, you know, just in conversations, my grandfather and him kind of encouraging me to educate myself. Um, I feel like that was also part of the reason I kind of wanted to go into this as a career. Interesting. And so what was the best money advice that you received? So my grandfather or someone else, sorry. (laughs) Yeah. My grandfather is actually really big on negotiation almost to a point where it's funny because I mean like this guy will negotiate anything and everything. Um, but it was great because I feel like Sometimes as women, that's something where we just do not like it at all. Um, I love it. It's in my blood. And my husband, it took him a while to get used to it. And I think, I don't know if it's from being brought up Latina and that's just something you do all the time. Uh, But yeah, it's, he, he, um, it took him a while to get used to that. Yeah. (laughs) My husband too. He's like, look, we don't, you know, we don't talk about this stuff. (laughs) You're making a big purchase. I mean, you know that their interests are not aligned with your interests. That's when you negotiate, you know, or when you're you're in a job and you know that you've been doing a great job and you've been keeping track of all of your accomplishments and you have a review, like that's a great time to negotiate. Right. So I feel like my grandfather did a really good job of kind of teaching me the appropriate times to kind of like stand your ground or be able to express your, your value or what it is that you're trying to you know, get out of that, um, that exchange. And that allowed me to like, I love negotiating cars. Sometimes I'll do it (laughs) for friends. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. It's getting harder. Like the markup apparently isn't nearly as big anymore. I'm like, Oh man, (laughs) (laughs) that is funny. So tell us what you do well with money. Yeah. So, I mean, as a financial planner, I, I will say I'm not, you know, I don't compare other people to me because I love this stuff. Obviously, I'm doing it for a living. Right. But I do feel like I really like planning out to the future, like kind of looking out and and getting all excited about, you know, what we're going to do when we just decide that we just want to work part time and, um, you know, what we're going to fill our time with. And then being able to use that as motivation to stick with the savings plan that, you know, otherwise it'd be like, I don't, we're just socking money away in an account. I don't even know what this is, you know, for. (laughs) (laughs) So I tend to be the the person who does a lot of like the long-term kind of like dreaming or visualization of, of what the future is going to look like. Right. No, perfect. And how about some challenges? We definitely all have some challenges um, when it comes to money. So tell me about yours. Yeah. Well, um, I find that on, 
in the relationship that I have with my husband, I tend to be the long-term planner. Okay. And he's a lot better at the day-to-day money management. Okay. So glad that we figured this out sooner rather than later (laughs) because it's funny the differences. Like if a bill comes in back in the day, I would essentially take it and put it in my pile like of, you know, stuff, stuff Uh I'm going to get to at some point. Um, it might get, you know, like lost in the stack of stuff and I'd be like, Oh my gosh, I (laughs) forgot to do this. I'd pull it back out. And I'd be like, I was just two days late on a bill for no good reason whatsoever. Um, so I would say to my past self, um, the advent of technology probably really, really helps people yes. that have those problems because yes. now I would essentially schedule a reminder on my calendar and it would pop up and, you know, be like, whoop, 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 you have a bill that's due, go pay it and <laughs> get it out of your pile of mail. But do you find with those reminders, because they are so easy to create, but do you find them that sometimes it's just, you see them so much, not necessarily so much, but you see them enough that it's just kind of... You just ignore them, so to speak. Not ignore them, but, oh, I'll get to it later. And then you just don't really, unless you may you snooze, snooze it or just are. Oh, I try. I'm not a snoozer. I put stuff that's <laughs> actually on my calendar. So I can't really even snooze it. Like it just goes to the next day. And if I didn't okay. do it. I didn't know if it was the like alerts on like, your phone. <laughs> but I mean, I tell people now it's so easy to automate stuff. Yes, it is. I mean, like it makes the it moment. so much simpler. You know, the moment you sign up for a new cell phone plan, go onto your computer, go set it up as an auto pay and be done with it and try right. to put as much stuff, you know, like try to balance it out between the first and the 15th of the month, but then just, you know, put it on autopilot. Like you don't have to think about it unless something changes. Right. Right. So basically that the challenge uh, that you've had is pretty much solved with the balancing of your husband and you're uh, putting it on your calendar. Yeah, I do have to realize that, you know, if for some reason he's never part of like the equation, that <laughs> I'm going to have to figure out how to work around myself on that. And um, I think I just kind of described how I would probably do that. But it is something to be aware of if you're in a relationship. Right. You know, there doesn't have to be one person who's in charge of all the money stuff. You can have somebody that's better at the strategic part of it and somebody that's better at the day-to-day. And as long as you communicate back with each other, then that's a great balance to have. Absolutely. As long as you're just, like you said, communicate and both are in the know, it's it's however works for your specific situation. So that's perfect. Now I have several questions. Actually, hopefully we'll get through these um, that have come up. And, um, and some that I just wanted, just some basic questions that I wanted to throw out there. So that way, um, on the same page, but I wanted you to talk a little bit about, um, what is a financial planner and, um, what the benefits are having of, are of having one. Yes. Great question. Um, so a financial planner, the, the best way that I put it is that's a person who helps you kind of take all of these puzzle pieces that right now might be stacked neatly in a pile or with some of my clients, um, half of the puzzle pieces are stacked neatly and the other half of them are like in the couch cushions and like underneath <laughs> the table. <laughs> um, financial planner kind of helps you take all of those pieces of your financial puzzle 
and put them together so that you can actually see like a cohesive strategy moving forward with, you know, with all of the different pieces of your finances. I love that description and how you, how you said that. That is perfect. Now there's a lot of different acronyms out there. So you have, you hear, or not necessarily acronyms, but just terms, acronyms, terms. Uh, you hear financial advisor, financial planner. Um, are they one and the same? Uh, what does a fee only financial planner, a commission, uh, commission based planner? Can you take us through the different types of, uh, financial planners or in your, and explain that? Yeah. Um, the financial advisor versus financial planner mm-hmm. is, um, it's probably pretty in depth, but just on the surface <laughs> level, I'll tell you that some people use them interchangeably. That's what um, I've, I've seen. So that's why I want to make sure and ask you and put it out yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's mainly just has to do with licensing. Like as long as you've passed an exam that allows you to um, sell mutual fund stocks and bonds, or even just mutual funds, you can usually call yourself a financial advisor. Um, if you do that, plus you provide like written recommendations, then a lot of times you can call yourself a financial planner. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't say that the title of somebody is what you should pay the most attention to Sure, because I've seen some people that are probably grossly underqualified to be doing what they're doing. And they're like the vice president of yada yada for, you know, this company. And I'm just like, oh yeah, the titles in, in this industry, um, get a little bit wacky sometimes. Right. Cause there's just so many. And, um, and the conversation I had with you before, like my credentials, quote unquote, AFC is not a term or accredited financial counselor. It's not a term that's well known. So when people, even though I may say that people automatically assume I'm a financial planner or a financial advisor, you know, whatever those terms, they, any of those terms come up and I have to explain to them, whoa, 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 no, that's not me. <laughs> so I just want to, you know, with those different terms, it can be, um, it can be confusing. So I just wanted uh, you to speak on that. And yeah. Well, people, when I say financial planner, they think that I'm like day trading okay. and they're like, what's the hot stock tip? Should I be buying gold? What do you think about Bitcoin? It always cracks me up because I'm like, I do cover investments, but I cover them along with insurance, budgeting, mm-hmm. taxes, estate planning, retirement the planning, gold planning. Yeah. I'm like, that's, a, you know, it's, it's part of it, but A, I'm not a day trader, thank goodness. And B, it's only a part of, of a of a cohesive comprehensive financial plan. Right. And so commission based versus fee only. Tell mm-hmm. us about that. Yeah. So there are different ways that financial planners can get compensated. Financial advisors or financial planners can get compensated. Um so a, a lot of financial advisors and financial planners have some component of their compensation that is commission based. Um, you can have advisors that are commission only. So the only way that they get paid is if they sell a product. Um, sometimes you'll see like the insurance industry will do this. So they'll have somebody who's an agent of an insurance company. And the only way that they get paid is if they sell somebody one of the insurance products of the company. So that might be a commission-only advisor. Um, And you have fee-only, which is the only way that they get paid is by compensation directly from their client. Mm -hmm. So either 
you know, charging hourly fees, a project fee, um, a retainer. Some people charge off of investments, which is assets under management. But in any way, it would come from the client instead of coming from a third-party company compensating that advisor. And then to make it even more complicated, (laughs) I apologize, but there's something called fee-based advisors. Um, Fee-based are really a hybrid between the two. So they can- okay. They can do financial plans and they can charge for a financial plan, but then they can also implement the plan by selling a product and putting that in place. So, okay. See, I'm, I was not even aware of that. There's just so much. Using. I know. So fee only is you're only getting paid from a client. Fee-based Fee is kind of like fee and commission, but they don't call it a fee and Interesting. commission. See, I didn't know that. I learned something new. And then you are a fee. Yeah. So only? whenever I started at my firm, I decided uh-huh. to go with a fee only firm. Okay. And why um, did you decide on that? How did you come to that? I just really like the structure of my client absolutely knowing that my interests are aligned with their interests mm-hmm. because- you know, if I suggest that they need insurance, um, I'm not getting paid anything off of that. Essentially, I will tell them what it is that they need and kind of educate them on how to shop for it. And then I might even, you know, help them. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Find somebody to put it into place and oversee the process. Gotcha. Um, just because I, sometimes I let people loose and then they get sold something again. And I'm like, wait, how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. So tell me a little bit about how, how would you recommend someone to find the best financial planner for them? What they should look for, maybe some steps they should take. Yeah, that's a great question. And it's one that I get pretty often. Um, it's a little bit overwhelming, especially with all of the different ways that people are compensated and the different um, criteria or you know designations that people can have. So I break it down into kind of four different things to look for. Um, the first is you want somebody who knows what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So if somebody was like selling cars last week and they're selling an insurance product this week, that is probably not the best fit for um, for you to have an advocate for your financial goals. Makes sense. So I always tell somebody that a really good place to start is to look for a certified financial planner, CFP. Um, in order to get a CFP, you have to have taken six different classes. Uh, you have to pass an exam and it has a historic pass rate of about 60%. So it's not an easy exam. Um, And they have to have at least three years of financial planning experience, and then they have to adhere to ethical requirements that are up and above what other people would have to adhere to. So that's a good place to get started on finding somebody that knows what they're talking about is to to try to find a certified financial planner. Um, That makes sense. Makes sense. And you also want to, we talked a little bit about fee structure, but you want to discuss the fee structure up front. And some people will tell me, well, you know, I feel like embarrassed asking people that. And I'm like, why? Definitely I mean, shouldn't be. Yeah, don't be embarrassed at all. Like you need to know 
if somebody's interests are aligned with yours. So, I mean, if you're going to somebody and you're like, hey, you sell insurance and I need this type of insurance and I would like for you to put it in place for me, that's one thing. But if you're like, hey, I want somebody to guide me through all of these decisions that I have to make and you're working with somebody and you have no idea like how they're actually getting paid, um, that's not a good fit. So you always want to ask somebody. It doesn't necessarily mean that you can't work with them. But I would say a warning sign is if they say that it's free, then you want to do more research or you want to ask more questions. And um, if you have to sign a financial planning agreement, that's actually a good thing because that means that you are working with somebody that has to adhere to the fiduciary requirements of having a financial planning agreement. Um, Makes sense. So those are two little things on, on what to look for with the fee structure. Oh, that's, that's perfect. So look for a certified financial planner, a CFP, and look at the fee structure and discuss right. it up front. Mm-hmm. And the okay. last two are just somebody that listens to your goals. Okay. Um, I mean, if you go in and you sit down with somebody and you start talking about, you know, this is what I want to accomplish. And they're like, hold on, stop right there. I know what you need. If you end up in that situation, big red flag, you right. might as well just pack your stuff up and stop wasting your time and get out of there because right. you you really want to work with somebody who will actually listen to you and what it is that you're trying to accomplish and what your values are and you know what you're what you want to do with your family and stuff like that. Um, so you really want to make sure when you actually do sit down with somebody that you feel like it's somebody who's actually listening to you and listening to your goals. That makes sense. Um, and then the final thing is somebody that actually works with people like you. And I know that sounds funny, but (laughs) if you're working with a financial planner and all that they do is work with people that have already retired, and you're 35 years old and you have dual income and two kids and you're really focused on, you know, things that are not related to retirement, um, that might not be the best fit. So you want to find somebody that, you know, either works with people like you, kind of works with the age group that you're in, or if you're a business owner, you want to find somebody who specializes in working with business owners because working with business owners might be a lot different than working with like two teachers that are married yes. to each other. You bring up a very good point. I like that. So basically those are some great tips, those four um, steps or tips mm-hmm. that you can um, implement. Now great. let's talk about information on the internet because there is a wealth of information on the internet. You can Google and find your answers. Obviously some are incorrect. You know, it's not everything on the internet is true, and we know that. It's but not. It's not. <laughs> I found this out today. I Googled that. No, I'm kidding. But anyway, so it's, you, there is some information that you can find that it, that is good. So if the question is why pay a financial advisor to tell you what to do when you can get that information for free, how would you answer that? Yeah, and you know what? I think that's a great point. Because t- today's world is a lot different than it was 10 years ago. Yes. And it's a heck of a lot different than it was 20 years ago. And so it's an advantage that we have in this era that there is so much information out there. Like you don't have to rely on somebody to just tell you exactly what to do. I mean, you can go and do your background research. Where some people get a little bit tripped up is that they tend to 
you know, like look for stuff and then they sit there and go, well, I don't know, is this relevant to me or is this relevant to my situation? Like, I don't really want to know what to do with this information. Right. So I think the value of working with a financial planner would be that the financial planner can help you actually sort through all of this information that's out there to help you figure out what actually is the best course of action for you, your goals, and your values. Because the internet doesn't know that. The internet does not know <laughs> they that. They didn't ask that. You know, they haven't asked me that, the internet. So yeah, they, they definitely know. That is a very good point. <laughs> the internet does not know your core values and exactly what you want out in life. FYI, companies pay big bucks to be at the top of internet searches. Yes. So sometimes the advice that you might be reading might be advice that is biased because it's yes. to sell a particular product. That That's a very, especially um, they're at the very top right before, because it's, it's not always clear, but it's at the very top of the ser- of when you Google something and it's kind of separated from the rest of the search results is pretty much, or on the side, right? I'm trying to, no. Yeah. So those are like the paid advertisements mm-hmm. are like up at the top or over at the side, but even some companies, oh. you know, pay big bucks just for to the have SEO. Keyword, yeah. Keywords in there mm-hmm. that will pop up at the top of searches and just, it's the same deal. Like know what it is that you're reading and like what, you know, is it, is it an insurance company that's telling you that you need to take out a big insurance policy? Makes is sense. it, yeah. A mutual fund company that's telling you that you don't need to put any money in insurance. You need to put it all in mutual funds. I mean, just know where that information is coming from so that you know, like if if there's a slant on the information, but financial planner can help you sort through all of that to help you kind of cut out the clutter and figure out what actually is the best course of action for you. That makes perfect sense. Now, how would, what would you say to someone that wants to hire a financial planner, but of course, like anything. Uh, there's great financial planners and there's those that uh, make it difficult for, you know, or maybe not necessarily ruin the reputation, but kind of damper the reputation of, of financial planners. Um, so wh- how would you address uh, or talk to a person that's just really that wants to hire a financial planner, but it's just, it just really frightens the pants out of them? Yeah. Well, I mean, where do they start? You know, how would you know, where would they start? You've given some tips as far as what to look for, but how do you engage with one when you're like so frightened? Yeah. Well, a lot of times when I start working with people, they're really scared because they don't necessarily want to have anybody else know some of these things about them. You know, like a lot of times there's a lot of like, I should have been doing this or I should have been doing that and I'm not where I should be or how do I compare to other people? Um, you know, so I tell people, first of all, like do your research beforehand. So we gave some good tips on how to actually mm-hmm. find a good financial advisor, or financial planner. If you're stuck with one that you don't like, like don't feel like you have to be stuck. Go talk to somebody else, get a second opinion. I mean, if you went into a doctor and they said that you had a life-threatening disease, I'm pretty sure that you would leave and you would go get a second opinion. So do the same thing with your finances. Um, but if you're somebody who feels like you're kind of embarrassed about your situation or you just don't feel like you're on track and you don't want somebody to, you know, to look down on you or to fuss at you, I would say that's part of finding a really good financial planner because a really good financial planner will be there to help you kind of 
take where you are right now, figure out where you want to go, and then help you draw the roadmap there, as opposed to telling you what you should have done or shouldn't have done. We can't do anything about the past. Like there is no rewind button. This is there's you know there's no back to the future going back you know ten years doing it again. Um, you just have to start from where you are and, and move forward. And finding a good fit of somebody who will listen to you and understand your goals and needs is really key to you know finding someone that's not going to make you feel embarrassed or shamed about your situation. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. Now for people, and this is along the same lines that are just, um, one fear that came up, uh, is that a financial planner can, uh, that they're not advising you for your benefit, but rather for theirs. So how would, uh, I know we, we talked about, uh, the fee, fee-based, like you, fee-based planners, uh, would you recommend those or how would you, um, how can you assure them uh, that they would be advising you for their benefit and not yours? I mean, obviously you have to do your research and follow some of the great tips that you gave, uh, but what would you recommend uh, to address that fear? Yeah. And I mean, I think that's absolutely something that somebody should go into search for a financial planner um, with that question, because nobody cares about your money more than you care about your money. Absolutely. I think at the end of the day, you need to be a good steward of your money and know that somebody else isn't going to be able to solve something for you. They're going to be able to kind of provide you the information and help you. But in doing your research and kind of knowing if your interests are aligned or if they're not aligned, I think that helps a lot to kind of cut out the the clutter. Because, I mean, if you're meeting with somebody and all they're doing is selling you something, then that's not somebody who's actually acting as a financial planner. Yes, exactly. That's the flag. So look for those flags for sure. Exactly. Yes. And and trust your intuition. You know, don't be like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm just being paranoid. Like if you're getting that feeling... Like, just be like, okay, on to the, let's go talk to somebody else. We're on to the next person. Right. And just remember that you're in control and you can go talk to another person. Just, you don't, you don't need to just be stuck. Like you mentioned before, right, uh, exactly. one, one particular person. Yep. And of course there's that with financial planning, there's that stereotype that you need a lot of money to hire one. Some, some people don't feel like they have enough money to hire one. So when should you hire a financial planner? Yeah. And that's a really great question. Um, I would tell people that traditionally there have been some fee only financial planning firms that have investment minimums. And so an investment minimum would be that they say, well, in order to work with us, you need $250,000 that we can manage. Um, not a lot of people that are like in their 20s, 30s, or 40s are just sitting around with a pile of cash that they're not doing anything with. (laughs) (laughs) Normally it would be in home equity or it would be like in a 401k or, you know, you would be working on having that money um, going. So there recently there have become more fee-only financial planners that will work either on a project basis or a retainer or like a monthly, um, a monthly retainer to kind of help you through like, you know, financial, um, a financial plan, but then also to kind of keep you on track and keep changing that financial plan. Cause 
when we're in our 20s, 30s, and 40s, a lot changes, like life changes rapidly and mm-hmm. quickly. Yes, um, I have experienced that. <laughs> yeah. So just, you know, if you just do a financial plan one time, hey, I'd say that's way better than doing nothing. Yes. But you also want to make sure that you don't just like stick it on the shelf and be like, I will revisit this thing in 20 years. Because <laughs> that's not a good plan. <laughs> that's not a great plan. You probably need to be working ongoing with somebody. Absolutely. Especially when life changes because life happens all the time. So right. you have to reassess and readdress things. So I like that. Well, let's talk about late savers because everyone's financial journey is is different and and unique. And some people start saving uh, for their future later than others. So what kind of tips would you give if you've started saving late for your retirement? Well, one of the biggest things that I tell people, you know, when they're like, I haven't saved enough or I'm way behind is get off of the sidelines. Like you don't need to still be sitting on the sidelines waiting for somebody to tell you to get into the race. You need to just get off the sideline, jump in, even if it's like you're putting, you know, 50 bucks away into an account or you start contributing to your 401k or no matter how small, like get started with something. Mm-hmm. And- and then once you've done that, once you've, once you've actually gotten off the sidelines and into the race, that's when it's a good time to actually sit down with somebody and come up with a strategy. Um, so, you know, in retirement, it's not like at some point somebody just pulls a plug and says, like, you can't work anymore. Um, so you might have an option to retire at 62, 65, <laughs> 67. You know, you have the option to, like, continue to live the current lifestyle that you live, or you might like want to sell your house and buy like one of those little tiny homes on wheels. You know, like there, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of options in what you can do as far as retirement planning. But the number one thing is get off the sidelines and get into the race and then figure out. Take some action. Take some action. That's where it's at. Perfect. Now, this next question that came up, of course, we don't know the specifics of this uh, situation. Well, well, you don't know. Uh, and, and basically, it's about uh, this particular person was is nearing retirement. So maybe you can just give some general information since we don't know the specifics. But they didn't do the financial planning. But if this p- person has cash to invest now, what is the best way to make the most of it? So they're late savers. They've got some... They didn't do the financial planning, but they have cash to invest now. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of hard to answer maybe, but... Yeah. Well, so what I tell people is you wouldn't normally like jump in your car and then just start driving 100 miles per hour without figuring out like if you were supposed to be going east or west. Makes sense. So this is kind of like going, I just want to jump in my car and I want to drive 100 miles per hour. <laughs> so if you've got cash to invest and you know you don't really know like what you're trying to do with it or what direction you're trying to head, it's really hard to figure out what you should actually be doing with that. Um, and the reason is you know, there are retirement accounts that are specifically for retirement and they have rules around them and you know special considerations that you get for using them for retirement. But if you're wanting to use some of that money in three years to buy a house and some of that money needs to be your emergency savings and some of that money needs to be your retirement, you wouldn't want to throw every single penny of that into your company's retirement plan because then you'd be like, oh, 
I need to get money back out because I don't have an emergency savings and I forgot that I was buying a house in three years. So that's, you kind of, sometimes people are like on the ground level and it's kind of hard to see where you're going. So Mm -hmm. I always encourage people to think of it as like, you're getting in a helicopter and you're kind of going up in the air where you can like see everything. Then everything looks itty bitty, but you get like that 30,000 foot view and that helps you figure out where you actually need to be going. And then you come back down and you implement everything and, you know, and going to the, the right place. So basically you're saying get clear as to where you want to be, what you want your retirement to look like. Um, and then from there work backwards. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Perfect. Well, this has been amazing. I mean, I, we can talk so much longer and, uh, but it's been great. You've been a wealth of knowledge. So I really appreciate your time here. So I want to finish off with, um, for you just finishing this phrase that I always ask, because this podcast is essentially just to make money simple and taking control of it. So how would you finish Mm -hmm. this uh, phrase or make it into a sentence, I suppose? Her money matters because. Her money matters because no one else cares more about your money than you care about your money. Perfect. That is perfect. It's always interesting hearing all the answers. So this has been great. And just tell us uh, where can people find you? Where's where's the best place? Mm -hmm. My website is yourrichestlifeplanning.com. Yourrichestlifeplanning.com. If you're lazy like me and you don't want to type all that out, you can also go to yrlplanning.com. Okay. So that's my website. I've got a blog there that has a lot of articles and information. Um, and then you can always find me on Twitter at KDYRL, spelled K-A-T-I-E-Y-R-L. Um, and email, you can email info at yrlplanning.com. Perfect. So I'll just make sure that I include that in the show notes so everybody can have that. And again, thank you so much, Katie. This has been great. I have learned so much because I know being in the area of personal finance, I know I don't know it all, <laughs> especially pers- uh, financial planning. So I just want to make sure that I bring uh, people like yourself that speak can speak more specifically uh, in these areas because um, it's, it's definitely very beneficial and very helpful. So again, thank you so much for, for joining me. All right. Thanks, Jen. All right. Thank you. Oh my gosh. That was just so much fun. And I felt Katie was amazing. And I hope that you did too. It was, was a lot of information and usually that type of information in financial planning is just overwhelming to me, but she explained it with such great analogies that it just made things so much more simpler. So I hope you felt the same way. And I'm going to let you in a, a little secret that you can actually meet Katie over in our private community on Facebook at jenhemphill.com forward slash community. If you're interested in meeting her virtually, she will be there. I've designated our community certified financial planner uh, for our community. So I wanted to let you know, uh, let you in on that. And I wanted to take just a moment to thank Adrian, Ruth, Terry, Nicole for such uh, great questions that you posed for Katie to answer. And I wanted to give you just a quick action item for you to take, especially if you've been thinking of financial planning 
thinking of the long term for retirement, um, life insurance, all that good stuff. If you've been thinking about those things, I challenge you to take some time to reflect, to sit down and really think about what you want your life to look like in detail. Just get a specific. Don't be afraid to dream because the more information, the more details that you have down and the more clarity, the better that financial planner that you hire is going to be able to help you. It's like going to the doctor uh, you ha- for being, you know, having some sort of illness and maybe you haven't paid attention to the symptoms or you didn't tell really the doctor, maybe you only told him or her one of the, or two of the symptoms. And really, if you don't, aren't clear and tell them everything that was happening, they can only recommend a best course of action for what you have told them, right? So maybe they would have been able to recommend a better course of action fully knowing your symptoms and your situation. So just think about that. And if you're thinking, well, Jen, I don't even have my finances in control. I don't even know what's going on with them. The best thing I would say is to look, start with where the money is going. And I have the Jumpstart Your Money mini guide that you can get. It's free. You just go to jenhempill.com forward slash mini guide. And that's just going to lead you. It's like the pre-budgeting phase. Instead of starting a budget, you need to know the numbers so you can just plug them in easily. And this is the pre-budgeting phase um, of your uh, money planning. Okay. So if you're confused, if you're overwhelmed, this is really a really good place to start. So that's jenhempill.com forward slash mini guide. So that is a wrap. I want to thank Katie again for joining us, uh, for being just an amazing guest, sharing so many good tips and her expertise. Be sure to check out the show notes for where to find her and all the different links that I provided at jenhempill.com forward slash 33. That is jenhempill.com forward slash 33. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll talk again next Thursday.